2: Hi, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to episode 144 of The Highly Relevant Podcast. My name is Jack Rico, and today's guest is none other than actress and producer Aubrey Plaza, who has a new psychological drama called Black Bear that's out December 4th. It's a pretty trippy and very clever movie. One of the better films I've seen in all of 2020. You're Allison?
3: Yeah. You're Gabe?
1: You used to be an actress and now you're a director. Why'd you give it up?
3: I didn't. You're really hard to read. Yeah, you know what? I get that all the time. Do you find it weird acting in your own films? I actually find it kind of humiliating.
2: (laughs) We had a chance to talk about... ...several things that I've been wanting to ask her for a long time... ...and mostly about her Latinx heritage. A lot of people look at Aubrey Plaza and don't even think Latina... ...but she's half Puerto Rican, her mom's Irish... ...and we got a chance to really talk about her heritage... ...how she identifies... Why a lot of people don't really consider her a Latina, how she feels about that, and what is she going to do about it. One of the things she told me is that she wants to make more Latinx films, but it's a, definitely a very captivating conversation with a mysterious, seductive, and one of the most talented uh, actors and producers out there in the game right now just wanted to let you know that uh, we came out in a Forbes article for the Brown and Black podcast which is a second podcast that I have along with Mike Sargent and we did a Thanksgiving episode there as well go check it out but before we get started it's time I give you my weekly review of what's happening in Latinx pop culture in a segment I like to call Jagged In <laughs> Let's begin with the top movie, TV, and music news of the week. Bad Bunny has the coronavirus. Trevor Noah will host the 2021 Grammy Awards. Telemundo's La Reina del Sur wins an international Emmy. The Queen's Gambit ranks as Netflix's most watched limited series. Wonder Girl TV series with Latina lead in the works at The CW. CNN Español tops networks at the Spanish language Emmys. Hialeah, family comedy in the works at IMDb TV. Zoe Saldana joins Ryan Reynolds in The Atom Project for Netflix. Mexico submits I Am No Longer Here for the Oscars. And Aaron Dominguez joins Selena Gomez in the Hulu Comedy, series only murders in the building and in tech and social media news hulu is hiking its live tv subscription price by 18 percent in december twitter launches fleets which is instagram stories but for twitter snapchat offers one million dollars a day to creators on its new tiktok copycat spotlight spotify now hosts 70 million songs keyword search is coming to instagram and charlie damalio is the first person to reach 100 followers on tiktok Uh, First of all, what a pleasure to meet you.
3: You too. Nice to meet you, Jack.
2: Had a chance to catch this film, Black Bear, and I have to say what a trippy movie this movie was for me because I'm watching it for the first 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes, and all of a sudden I got into cruise control with the film, thinking I exactly knew what this movie was all about. And I was waiting for the development, the fleshing out of that storyline that I think some people in our, you know, these are the types of things that you don't want to experience, but you wouldn't mind watching. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden flip. So explain and describe this movie to, uh, to me from your perspective.
3: It's, um, man, it's probably one of the hardest films I've ever had to explain. Um, but I would say that in an overall sense, it's kind of a, a uh ex it's kind of it's um well it's about a filmmaker named allison played by me um who has arrived at this lake house in the middle of nowhere on some kind of creative exploration she's got writer's block and she's trying to figure out what to write about and she meets this married couple that are clearly going through some having some marital problems um, and she becomes entangled in this kind of toxic dynamic that, that they have and that she ends up adding on to. And, uh, and it escalates to a point that you can't even believe. Um, and then there's a very, very insane turn in the film where all of a sudden these characters become entirely different characters and they're now shooting a movie um, on the same property. Now, I don't know if this this is a spoiler, so I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say all this stuff. Probably not, Aubrey. Okay. So, um, <laughs> mommy. Cut. So then, these characters become these come these completely different characters, and then the film is just kind of turned slightly um, off its head, and and it becomes an entirely new exploration um, w- of the same themes, but in a different kind of context. And the way that I kind of describe it to my close friends and family is it's kind of like two nightmares interwoven to make one mega nightmare.
2: Wow. Yes.
3: And it's kind of, um, you know, for me, it's almost an unconscious kind of exploration of the creative process and um how toxic it can be when you're working intimately with with a loved one and trying to create art at the same time and how how complicated that can be.
2: Do you believe that to be true to life too?
3: Yes, and um and you know, I think that's that's part of why the reason the movie exists because uh, L- Larry Lawrence Lemie and I had a lot of conversations about um what it's like to shoot a movie with your partner both of us are um, involved with filmmakers, so we have a lot to say on that matter, and, um, and I think um, it was just it's just a really interesting thing to explore, and um, I think that's kind of what inspired him to write it.
2: Now, you're a producer in this film. What was it like producing it, or, or do you usually produce films?
3: Um, I have produced a couple of films. I believe this is my third Film? Um, is it
2: easy? Is it hard? Is it something that you continually want to do?
3: It depends on the project. I don't necessarily need to produce every movie I'm in, but, um, but uh, I would say that, you know, this movie is a miracle movie that it even got made. Um, you know, it's really hard to find financing for such a small um, artistic script that, you know, isn't so obvious, isn't so marketable, all of those things. So um, adding myself as a producer will only give us a better chance to, to get it in front of people. Um, so I think that it, it's uh, valuable for me in that sense. And, and then creatively, it's just um, really rewarding um, to be able to be involved in the, in the process even after the shoot and have my opinion matter, You know, and ha- have a really big effect on the end result which is something that I find really rewarding.
2: How do you give such a great performance that you did here because you look like you really tapped into a wide range of emotions here. And then to have to then produce, because everything I've been hearing about producing is that you're involved in the film in many of the decision making. So is that good for the acting?
3: It's interesting, I don't know. I think that it really works for me because there are other producers involved so when I show up to set and it's my you know it's my scene and I have to act then I I'm totally an actor and I'm able to kind of switch switch hats in that way and just focus on acting um and then but it's exhausting I I would say just it adds a it adds another le- level of anxiety because when we wrap for the day then all of a sudden i go like all right i'm not an actor anymore now i'm a producer now i'm going to think about tomorrow and think about how to solve all these problems that have come up today um but normally i surround myself with people that i trust so i don't have to i don't have to shoulder that all on my own so i can focus on the acting but i would say um i'm always even as an actor on set i'm always kind of conscious of just the culture of the set and how people are being treated um, things like that. And I think that that part of my brain producer brain, I can't really turn off. Um, and I don't know if it affects my performance or not, but I don't really care.
2: There was a portion in the film where uh, one of the characters was asking if you were joking or not. And it was a very emotional, crucial part of the film. She goes, I don't even know if you're joking or not. Are you serious or not? And I felt that that's what a lot of people have, like a perception of you um in your films. like they're like, you're slowly having these films where that's an Aubrey Plaza film. Mm-hmm. Like it's it has its own stamp of humor, of intellect. Uh, you know what you're getting in an Aubrey Plaza film. Do you feel you're giving viewers an Aubrey Plaza film or are you stretching yourself out here to change those perceptions?
3: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think that this film was written for me. And in so- in a lot of ways, I think that, Um, it's an attempt to kind of deconstruct this persona that people associate me with. Um, it's not something I ever anticipated when I set out to become an actor, you know, I just, I can't control the parts that I get and, you know, how, how, how heavily people associate me with those, with those parts. Um, but I would say this movie more than probably any movie I've done, I would, I would hope would show, would show people that there's a lot more to me than, than maybe they think.
2: Is that something you want to prove? Or did you read a, a review of a film, an essay on you or something where you said, you know what, I'm going to prove these guys wrong. I'm going to prove them that there's 30 sides to me, not just the one that they keep on focusing on.
3: I mean, look, I'd love to say that I don't care what people think about me. And I really don't in a lot of ways. Um, but of course, there's that part of me that that wants to prove something that wants, you know, wants respect. I demand respect. Okay. <laughs> and I want it now. Um, But I, um, but you know, I can't live my life, you know, trying to, you know, prove people wrong about me. I don't give a shit, but I just, it's more like, it's more fulfilling for me to do things different, to do something different every time. I'm not interested in doing the same thing. And I know, I know that I'm not, that I'm more, more than April Ludgate. Um, and if people don't, you know, don't see that, then they can, you know, go watch parks and rec and whatever (laughs) on netflix and be happy i don't care
2: right when was this movie shot
3: it was shot in the adirondacks um a couple hours north of albany um in this very isolated like lake town um in the woods
2: what was the experience of shooting that film there did you enjoy yourself or was it challenging
3: it was challenging it was very, very beautiful setting. The lake was gorgeous and the house was, a, the house was beautiful. It was a, an idyllic setting for a vacation, mm-hmm. um, for a movie shoot, not so much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we didn't anticipate how many problems we were going to have on this isolated location. In, for example, we had, you know, we didn't have a backup generator, so we lost power all, all hours of the day and night. Um, producer, producer, really- what do we do? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we, we get another backup generator, and then we find out that, that, that the car carrying the backup generator has broken down on the highway. I mean, it's literally just disaster after disaster. Right. Um, so we were battling out there. It felt like we were, were battling every day. The elements, the rain, the bugs, the just everything.
2: So we just recently found out that Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be streaming on HBO Max. It's going to be going out in theaters, but simultaneously going out there. And I had written on Twitter that this just seems to confirm the demise of at least the way we used to know movie theaters and the movie theater going experience. Are you starting to notice that the content you're going to continue to create might just be seen on a television or on a phone?
3: Um, I... I think I'm a little more optimistic than you. I wouldn't confirm the demise of, of the big screen just just yet. You know, I would hesitate to do that because I think um, the experience of seeing a movie on a big screen is not just about the size of the screen. It's about the communal experience. And it's about, um, it's about seeing a piece of art in a group. Um, it's how um, societies. Evolve, you know. It's a collective. It's a collective experience, a collective um, memory that we all share, and it's something that connects us all as human beings. And I think that um, most people feel that way about going to the movie theaters, even even if they can't articulate why. um, It's just it's it's important. It's more. It's way more important than I think people even realize. So um, I think that I'm hopeful that. that we'll get out of this, you know, phase of no movie, no movie theaters being open, and we'll get back to a place where people can can go back and and see movies on the big screen. But that being said, of course, times are changing, things are streaming, and all that stuff. So you know, it's fine. Got to put it on HBO Max. Go for it. But I don't. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change my mode of you know creating content um, based on, you know, the fear that, you know, things have changed forever because I just don't think that's true. And, um, and I just went to the drive-in premiere of happiest season. Um, and it was awesome and it felt, and it reminded <laughs> me like, Oh, you know, it's like, it was like a time traveling moment where I looked around and I went like, it's honestly, it's like, like we're in the fifties or something, you know, people <laughs> used to do this. Yeah. Like people used to roll up to the drive-in movie. There it was like, it was very romantic, you know? And, Um, I think the world kind of goes in cycles like that. So I'm, I think it's, I I can't say what will happen, but I'm not giving up on the big screen.
2: Has the experiences of 2020 in any way changed you as a storyteller with the types of stories you want to be able to tell now?
3: It's definitely kind of brought me back to, to a place to almost like a, you know, the, the student, the film student kind of version of myself um, because I think limitations are really good for art. You know, when we, when we can't, you know, conduct ourselves like we normally do and create things like we normally do, we have to get, we have to think outside of the box. We have to get creative and we have to problem solve. And I, I think all of these things are really, really good for generating art. So I would say that one thing I've thought about a lot in the past couple months are kind of like, how do you tell us, how do you tell an intimate story from far away? It has made me go, it has made me think about filmmaking in a, in a, in a different way. And, and um, whether I'm conscious of it or not, like I, de- I definitely think it's, it's going to infuse itself into the stories that I want to tell.
2: Final question, just uh, shifting gears here for a second. My, uh, I'm Colombian, uh, Colombian American. And uh, this podcast that we're doing is a Latinx pop culture podcast. And for a long time, I've been hearing that you are Hispanic, Latina, Puerto Rican, yeah. but I don't hear you talk that much about it. So I don't know too much about it. I kind of wanted to take the time to kind of ask you, I know your mom is Irish, I believe, and your dad's Puerto yeah. Rican from Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, how do you identify when someone wants to know where you're from? Do you say you're Irish? Do you say you're Puerto Rican? Do you say I'm American or do you, do you not have a denomination of, of identity?
3: honestly the the first the first thing I usually say is I'm half Puerto Rican I you the Puerto Rican part is usually the thing I lead with because um just culturally I think that that's how I grew up like that's I, I identify with my Puerto Rican family probably more than um, than anything else my mom I am half Irish my mom's Irish but my mom was also adopted um, by an Irish Catholic family so I grew up kind of partially with this irish catholic family um not blood related to me um and i love them they're my family too but um but my the puerto rican side of my family i guess was felt a little more like um you know that that just was like home for me so i'm half but i'm still you know puerto rican both my grandparents are from puerto rico i've still family there and cousins there and have a huge family obviously so like tons of cousins in Philly and we salsa dance in the kitchen. Do you
2: speak Spanish
3: Aubrey? Um, I do, but I'm not very, I'm not fluent. And I blame my father and I blame my, my, my grandfather for that because my, uh, my dad's not fluent either. Weirdly. Um, My, some of my aunts and uncles are, but my dad just didn't take to him. And my grandfather who when I was growing up was a police officer in Philadelphia, Um, but he came from Puerto Rico. I mean, you know, it was like classic story where he like, you know, literally just like got on a boat and like hid in the boat kind of style, like to get to New York or whatever. And um, he was very, very, very um, disciplined about them speaking English as their first language Mm -hmm. growing up. So he, he was, that's how he was and he didn't want them to speak Spanish. He wanted them to speak English. And so, you know, how that, how that goes. And so my dad never really, um, he never really taught, you know, he didn't teach me or anything, but this it's my fault. Um, but my family speaks Spanish <laughs> and my, you know, when I'm around them, it's like, they'll speak Spanish to me, but I, I, I'm not as confident. So I'll I always respond in English, but.
2: Recently, we were talking to a bunch of friends of mine about the lack of Latinx content anywhere. Like, you kind of just don't really see it. And there's a lot of image representation issues that I think a lot of people are now very clear about. Uh, Has there ever been a desire for you to explore maybe that part of your Puerto Rican culture and to be able to tell those stories, maybe through film, curiosity, inquisitiveness about that side and create content that kind of reflects those questions, that curiosity about your Puerto Rican side, because an Aubrey Plaza Latinx film is something we all definitely need to see.
3: Yeah, no, I definitely want to do that. I'm going to do that for sure. I'm doing that. Um, I think like in my own way, it's like I try to, you know, like April Ludgate on Parks and Rec, it's like I was – very adamant about going like look maybe she's half cuban you know i don't know maybe her mom's <laughs> cuban maybe whatever and they they're like great idea but um but obviously it wasn't about that but i think in a in my own way i feel like i try to portray hispanic characters that aren't the stereotypes because i think that's one thing that we're really up against especially like latino women it's like there's such a stereotype there. And there are so many different kinds of Hispanic women and people that we just don't even see. Like we just, they're not represented on film, um, or on television. It's just the same kind of like archetypes, um, over and over again. And so absolutely I will do that. Um, and I also think that for me personally, there's, there is something really interesting about being half Hispanic because it's like, you know, people judge you, like, by the color of your skin. It's like, sorry, like, just because I have my mom's, like, Irish complexion or whatever, it's like, doesn't, it, 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 there's an interesting kind of, like, identity crisis that, like, I think I have always had and struggled with my whole life, because I, I grew up in a very conservative, like, Irish Catholic community in Delaware, Um, you know, but that, but that, that's not really, like, who I am. So, um, And I was always considered kind of like the diverse one, but people were always like, <laughs> but you're white. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not. So it, it's, yeah. So I think there's a lot of things that I have to say about it. And um, I would love to, I would love to do more Latinx stories and, and, and promote that representation in the industry because um, it's a real, we got a long way to go.
2: That is absolutely true. Well, Black Bear comes out December fourth, and it stars Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey, thank you so much for being on the Highly Relevant Podcast. Thank
3: you.
1: You're, You're in, in love, love with her. You are. I know. This is what you wanted, okay?
2: This was going to ruin us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and before I wrap up here, here are three Latin tracks you might want to add to your playlist this Thanksgiving weekend.
0: You
2: 333 De Nova.
0: Que estás aquí
2: a las muchachas, Mexican Institute of South. And that's it for episode 144 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Aubrey Plaza for coming on the show. And if you like this episode, please leave a review and subscribe on our iTunes page. Wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, stay healthy, eat well, and be safe i'll catch you next week on another episode of highly relevant